Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. It is great to be with you in church. And I wanted to share a quick thought around Resurrection Sunday this morning. I've entitled my message, Fully Alive. Not just alive, but fully alive. Say fully alive. alive. I've got a couple of friends in the audience who are going to help me preach today. Isn't that right, girls? Just going to give it. Yeah, there we go. There we go. It's awesome. Maybe you can take their lead this morning. I said to him, if I'm struggling, shout out, help him, Jesus. Okay. And if I'm doing okay, shout out, preach at white boy. So that's their cue. That's what... That's what we've got arranged today. So if you want to join in, oh, it started. I didn't even hear that. I'm just kind of, I'm scared now. I'm very scared. But uh, for those joining us online, uh, thank you so much. And again, keep those comments coming in the comments section. I love feedback. I love agreement when we're talking about Jesus, particularly on Resurrection Sunday. Amen. So let's get straight into the Word of God this morning. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Turn in your Bibles, uh, turn in your devices, or you can look on the screens. That'd be fantastic. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 says this. On the first day of the week, Very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And while they were still wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground and the men said to them, this is cool, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. I'll say that again. He is not here. He is risen. We're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ who was born some 2,000 years ago. He lived for about 33 years and He did many good deeds while He was here on planet Earth. He did miracles. He healed people. He raised the dead. He was crucified on a cross and He was buried in a rich man's tomb. And He rose from the dead three days later and this occurrence was witnessed by many people. You see, He was on planet Earth after His resurrection for about six weeks. And in that time, He was seen by over 550 people on 11 different occasions. Some might say, you know, people just hallucinated. Not on 11 different occasions, not with so many different people. And not only that, it wasn't just the believers, it was the unbelievers who saw. People who said, there's no way this is possible. They witnessed it. And after 40 days, of being on planet earth after he rose again, he ascended before the eyes of the disciples and those witnesses around and he went to be in heaven with the Father. You see, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is pivotal to our faith. You see, if it's not true, we need to throw it out. If Christianity and the resurrection is not true, we need to go to the beach today because it's 31 flipping degrees. And it's hot in here. And I tell you, if there's no point, then let's go do something else. The resurrection is pivotal to the Christian story. The resurrection is pivotal to our faith. 
So if it's, not, if it's not true, let's throw it out. But if it is true, then it's the most important event in human history. And it demands our full attention, our full commitment and our full energy. You see, the resurrection is proof, number one, that Jesus is who He claimed to be. See, Jesus made some very bold claims. In John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he lives, so he will live even though he dies. You see, Jesus was either a lunatic, a crazy man for the things he said, or he was a deceiver because he outrightly lied. He said, I am God. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me. So he was either deluded, delusional, a lunatic, a crazy man, or he was a deceiver and a liar. Or he was who he said he was. And that is Lord of all. He said, I am God. He didn't say I'm a good teacher. He said, I am God. I am God. And the challenge from the Pharisees came Prove it then. It's one thing to talk. You know, talk is cheap. You can say anything. But when it comes to prove it, that's where the money is. And the Pharisee said, well, prove it. And he said, I will. You will kill me. And on the third day, I will rise again. See, the resurrection backs up the claims that Jesus is who He said He is. Secondly, Jesus has the power that He claimed that He had. See, Jesus as God could do what God alone could do. In John chapter 10, verse 8, Jesus said, No one takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up. The resurrection story proves that Jesus had the power that He said that He had. You see, the Pharisees, they couldn't stand Him. Pilate couldn't fault Him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And get this, the grave couldn't hold him. That's power. That's power. Jesus shook off death as you and I would shake off a fly. Over summer, I've been shaking off a lot of flies. And Jesus shook off death as we would shake off a fly, proving you cannot keep a good man down. He rose again on the third day, proving he had the power that he said he had. And thirdly, it proves that Jesus does what He said He will do. See, the cross was no surprise to Jesus. It was all part of God's plan. And Jesus spoke about the fact that He would die many, many times on many, many occasions. In Mark chapter 10, verse 34, we read that they will mock and flog me and kill me, but after three days I will rise to life again. This church is good news. The resurrection is proof that Jesus' Word can be trusted. It's proof that when God makes a promise, you can count on it. When Jesus says something, it's evidence and proof that He will back up what He says. The resurrection is pivotal to our faith. So what does all of that mean for us today? If we can't land it in 2021, then it's wasted. So this incredible work that Jesus Christ did on the cross some 2,000 years ago, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me today? Will you turn with me again to one more passage of Scripture? In John chapter 20, reading from verse 19 right through to 23, 
It says, on the evening of the first day of the week. Now, what had happened, the women met Jesus at the tomb, but this is the same night of that morning. The men weren't there in the morning, but now they're all gathered together in a room. And it says, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said this, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them the hands and his side and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is an amazing moment in history. The women were up early. Thank God for the women. Are there any women in the house this morning when all the men were just in bed, sleeping? The women were up and taking care of the body of Jesus. I thank God for women. I love women so much, I even married one. That's how much I love women. <laughs> but this is at night and they're all gathered in an upper room and the doors were locked because they were afraid of the religious leaders. And it's in this setting with locked doors, Jesus appears before them. You see, Jesus is not only alive, He's fully alive. He's fully alive. He has a new resurrection body and He appeared in the midst of them, even though the doors were locked. That tells me something. That tells me that though you try and keep certain people out from certain places and spaces in your life, it tells me that there's no area of your life that Jesus cannot access. The doors were locked because they were afraid and Jesus appears in the middle, in the midst of these afraid, doors locked group of disciples. And Jesus does something for them, which every one of us wants doing for us. You see, we all have a desire to be known. We all have a desire to be loved. And we all have a desire not to live life alone. And Jesus meets them in their fear. He meets them at their moment of need. And in this resurrected state, he brings three things that I wanna highlight this morning to the disciples that I believe he wants to bring to you and he wants to bring to me today. Like I said before, if the Bible doesn't translate into today, it's not worth the paper it's written on. But the disciples received something from Jesus that day and what they received is available to you and it's available to me. See, the resurrection of Jesus changes lives. It changes your life. Number one, the resurrection brings resurrection life and it brings peace. Resurrection life brings peace. Can you say peace? peace. Jesus said to these afraid disciples, He says, peace be with you. And because they were so worked up, because they were so afraid, he repeats himself. He says it again. He says, I wasn't joking. I meant it. Peace be with you. And in this COVID crazy world, in this upside down world, with all of its problems that we live in, all of its brokenness, I feel the message of God today is this. 
peace. I don't know why you came today. Maybe you came out of tradition. Maybe you came because you like someone. Maybe because you're trying to start a relationship. Maybe because you came because you were precious. I don't know. But I know you are not here by accident. And the message God wants you to hear is peace is available to every one of you this morning. All those watching online, the peace of God is available to you. The trouble is when we think about peace, we tend to think of peace in terms of an experience, maybe a massage or a location, maybe Bali. I am so waiting for the borders to open up again just to get to Bali. I'm just saying, but that's an aside. Stay focused, Tony. Help me, Jesus. That was your moment, girls. Focus. Maybe some of us think of peace in terms of the absence of pressure. But when Jesus was talking about peace, He was talking about an internal peace, not a circumstantial peace. He was talking about a peace that every one of us can have. A peace, firstly, with God. We can have peace with God, Romans 5 verse 1 says. It says that we can have peace with God. And let's be honest, all of us need to make peace with God. You think of someone on their deathbed. What's the, common, uh, the comment you'll often hear? It's, have you made peace with God? Intrinsically, we know that we need to make peace with God. Intrinsically, we know that there is someone, something bigger out there than just me and mine. And Jesus made it possible for us to have peace with our maker, peace with our creator. When he went on the cross, there was a substitution, his life for our life. He died that you and I might live and not just live, that we might be fully alive, that we can have peace with God. Not only that, but that we can have the peace of God. Do you know, be peace with God and the peace of God are different things. Romans chapter five, verse one talks about peace with God. But in Philippians chapter four, verse seven, it talks about the peace of God. In John chapter 16, verse 53, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. Has anyone ever experienced trouble in this world? Anyone? Who says the Bible's irrelevant? Who says it's untrue? Who says it's boring? No, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. But the good news is in the midst of your troubles, He can bring calm to your storm. He can bring peace to your circumstance. It's a peace I experienced in a very real, tangible way when I had my blood infection and I was in hospital for six, uh, three weeks and I was fighting for my life. And I'll never forget young Dan, our youth pastor, was looking after me one night. He came in just to keep me company. He stayed the whole night. And that night, I thought I was dying. And Dan was there to cheer me up. He came with his red nose on. He came with his games. He came with everything because they said, whatever you do, keep Tony happy, cheer him up. But I was not in the mood to be cheered up. I was just preparing to die. I just felt like my body was shutting down. And I just kept looking at Dan and saying, Dan, love you, buddy. Love you, man. And Dan just never slept that night. He just looked over my bed, just checking my breath the whole time. And in the morning, about five o'clock, he must have just ring Kath. I've got to say goodbye to Kath. I've got to say goodbye to Kath. That's how I felt. I've got to say goodbye to Kath. I've got to say goodbye to Kath. Now, remember, our youth pastor had just passed away in the January. I'm fighting for my life in the May. I'm thinking, my goodness me, if I die, who's going to want to leave this church? <laughs> Dan! <laughs> Dan's like... <laughs> 
But what I can categorically tell you, while I don't have a lot of answers for that year or for that time, I experienced a peace in the midst of my pain. God got me through that with his peace. I wish I could tell you he just healed me. I wish you could tell I was just delivered from all those symptoms. I wasn't. But he took me through day by day, week by week. I mean, even when I left hospital after three weeks, I had to have a drip in my arm. And every day the nurse would come for eight weeks after, every day. This was, this was not a miracle of healing. It was a miracle of peace. It was a miracle of the provision of peace. And I believe that peace is available to everyone in this room today. You can experience peace with God and you can experience the peace of God through this resurrection life of Jesus Christ. But not only that, there is a peace with yourself. I want you to get this point. Jesus makes sense of me. Have you ever looked in the mirror and go, what is going on in your life? What were you thinking? What, what are you wearing? What's that pimple? I mean, have you ever, have you ever looked in the mirror and thought, what is going on with me, and we don't even make sense of ourselves, let alone our work, let alone our families, let alone life in general. And Jesus helps to make sense of us. Let's be honest, we all strive to change who we are. How many of us have said, I wish I was a bit taller, I wish I was a bit shorter, I wish I was a bit thinner, I wish I had a few more muscles? Uh, whatever it is, we're always wanting to change ourselves. And here's the good news. That Jesus accepts you and me as we are. He accepts us as we are. Here's a newsflash. Jesus is madly and passionately in love with each and every one of you. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus loves you. Smiles on faces, a little bit of awkward. That, that's fine. That's fine. Online, Jesus loves you. As a young man growing up, that's why my dad's so near and dear to me because every night I went to bed, this is the last thing I heard before going to sleep. Dad would say to me, Jesus loves you and so do I. Jesus loves you and so do I. Jesus loves you. I just got that over and over and over and over and over Again, and on my worst day, I knew two things. Jesus loves me, and so does my dad. Jesus brought peace to the early disciples, and he wants to bring peace to your world today. I don't know what's going to happen with COVID. I don't know if we're ever going to get a jab. I don't know if you want a jab or you don't want a jab. I mean, all these conversations, but this is what I know. There is peace available. There is peace available through what Jesus Christ did some 2,000 years ago. Peace with yourself. The second thing that resurrection life brings, it brings power. Say power. power. It brings power. We see that in the upper room that night, Jesus breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, he didn't say receive it now. In actual fact, the Bible records that they received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit some seven weeks later. And he breathed on them as an acted out parable, suggesting that my breath, my life, 
my word will be with you through the Holy Spirit. And that brings power. You'll receive a supernatural power to do what you can't do naturally. This is a promise of resurrection life. You know, I don't know about you, but there's some Bible verses that I love and there's some Bible verses I don't like. Why? Because some are easier to do than others. I like the ones that say God's going to bless me. They're awesome. Anyone like those ones? They're great. They're the ones that highlighted. But then there's some that I kind of just read over very quickly. The ones that say, um, love your enemies. I, I struggle with that because I'm like, God, they're my enemies for a reason. And God says, I know. And I want to give you power to love those that don't necessarily love you. I want to give you a power to forgive people that may not ever forgive you. See, sometimes we use Christianity as a rabbit's foot. We say, if I become a Christian, then you've got to do this, this and this for me. Not realising and forgetting that we become a Christian because of what He's already done for us. That's what Christianity, we're here celebrating, not what He's going to do for us, but what He's done for us already. And He wants to come and bring a power into our life that we can fulfil the Word of God. That we can have a power to even love our enemies. That we can live in a powerful state that can forgive people even when they don't forgive us. Jesus said, as much as it's up to you, live at peace with everyone. That means you can have peace in the midst of turmoil. That means that you can have peace when somebody doesn't think much of you. And you don't have to wait for outcomes. You don't have to wait for closure because you live with a now ready, powerful peace because of the resurrection life that's in you through Jesus Christ. This is the power that comes through the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. And Jesus spoke about it that night. And we see the early church go on to do some incredible things. Amen. And the third thing, as the band come up, that'd be great. The third one is this. Resurrection life brings purpose. Say purpose. purpose. Jesus said this in that upper room that night. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so, I'm sending you. In other words, Jesus doesn't want us to live a life that is just a life of existence. He wants us to live a life of purpose. He wants us to live fully. He wants us to be fully alive. He wants us to live a life with meaning and with purpose. I mentioned already that when I was in hospital and I was fighting for my life, I remember asking myself this question. What could be worse than dying? I, I had that conversation. I don't know if you've ever had that conversation with yourself, but I've had that conversation with myself. I thought, if I was to die, what, what could be worse than that? And the first thing that jumped into my mind, it was the speed in which this answer came to me that surprised me, blessed me and shocked me. I thought, man, what could be worse than dying would be living with no purpose. What could be worse than me being in this hospitalised state? It would be to be healed, to get better and then live like a whinger for the rest of my life. To complain and whinge about, why did God do this? Why did God do that? Why wasn't the church there for me? Why wasn't my family there for me? Why was only Dan there? What good did he do? He didn't even help me much. Whatever. 
And I'm going to say, God, if I live, I don't want to just live. I don't want to just be alive. I want to be fully alive. I want to come out of here, not just healed, but I want to be made whole. I want to tell a story about this time that brings you glory. I want to tell the story of my time in hospital that brings hope and brings joy and brings peace to people. I don't want it to be a woe is me story. I've told this story many times, but it's never out of a woe is me. It's out of a purpose driven understanding that God not only wants to heal me, but He wanted to make me whole. And I'm so grateful. You know, when I meet people that I haven't seen for some time, they'll say to me, how's your health? I'm like, fine, well, how's yours? I, I, honestly, I honestly get caught off guard with that question because it's not something I live with. And I got my very first tattoo. I don't know if you're into tattoos or not. I, I don't know, but I kind of like them. But I don't have many yet, I, whatever. But I got this little tattoo, which is just a, a reminder. One of that moment, but two of my favourite Scripture. It's got these two little words, fully alive. As a reminder of what Jesus did for me in that moment. And to declare what Jesus wants to do for you. See, that's my shortened version of one of my favourite all-time passages of Scripture. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. And Jesus said it this way, the thief comes only to kill, steal and destroy. That's why the world is a mess. Not because God loves you, but because there's a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal and destroy your finances, your relationships, your marriage, your family. He wants to bring you down. Jesus, on the other hand, wants to lift you up. Don't blame God for why the bad things are happening. There's a very real enemy that wants to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus responds with this, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come that you might have life with a capital L, life to the max. That you don't have to just exist, but that you can enjoy life with a peace, a power and a purpose. You don't have to be a victim. You can be victorious. You can live a victorious Christian life. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 